Okay, yeah, but didn't you say there's one vehicle that kind of hits all of the magic markers? Yeah, so based on everything that we're talking about, the tax credits, the business write-off, and then obviously the ability to be able to put, you know, seven, eight kids inside of there. There's one vehicle that does that where you're gonna get that depreciation, the write-off, uh, and be able to fit the whole family in the car. And that's actually the hybrid Chrysler Pacifica. And one of the reasons that I really like it is because I think it drives a little nicer. It's got a little bit lower center of gravity with all the uh, battery packs. Huh. It feels a little heavier, a little sturdier, but that hybrid engine also gives it a little bit more get up and go. So when you're driving the minivan, you still feel like you can keep up. You get a $7,500 tax credit as of right now. And uh, if you're writing it off for business, you can, as long as you're using it for at least 50% business purposes, it qualifies for that gross vehicle weight over 6,000 pounds as well. That thing is hitting for the cycle. Hi, I'm Steve. For nearly 30 years, I've been a pastor and disciple maker. And what I really love doing is helping guys be better followers of Christ and better leaders at home. I'm Mark a certified financial planner with an MBA and an Ivy League degree who wants to make sure you're making the smartest money decisions possible. And this is Abraham's Wallet. Join us weekly and create a culture in your family of multi-generational prosperity, spiritually, relationally, physically, intellectually, and financially. Run your home, your dough, like a biblical boss. Ian, hello once again from lovely golden Hawaii where the sun always shines and you always have a new haircut. Do you do you schedule haircuts for right when you know we're going to talk or do you just have a standing haircut appointment every six days? It's about every two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> about every two weeks. But here's I'll let you in on a secret. I do this all myself. Ah, yeah, so you you believe in the Abe's Wallet self haircutting uh, theory? Yeah, I've, I've cut my hair since I was probably fourteen or fifteen. My parents made me start paying for haircuts. So I love it. Fifteen year old, I went. I'll just go to Ross and get a clipper set and uh, just buzz it. So I started buzzing it, and you start practicing. You know, do a mohawk, whatever, and uh, yeah, just figured it out. Tremendous. Well, it looks fantastic. You're doing a fantastic job. Thanks. Um, listen, before we get start talking about vehicles, um, as you may well know, uh, Hawaii has well and truly fallen out of the news cycle. Nobody could care less about what happens to your home anymore, uh, but we care. So w can you give us a little update on what's what what, what do things look like in Hawaii? Yeah, it's um, I would say now is the time when a lot of people need the most help. Um, just because a lot of those programs and whatnot are coming to a close. And so they're reaching the end of, you know, the 60 days worth of support or 30 days since whatever. Um, and so I think there's still a lot of people that are unsure of where they're going to live, not sure where they're going to work. Um, and so, yeah, if you know somebody on the island, I would say now is definitely the time to reach out um, because there's some of those people where I would say um, the, the disparity is at an all time high. And uh, there's a lot of unknown for some of those families, even just with kids trying to get back to school and different, right. getting relocated and parents got to figure out how to drop them off and get to work and just a lot of challenges for people who have been relocated. Um, Do you have any suggestions as to uh, relief organizations that people could give to? 
there's a, a great local church here, Hope Chapel, that's doing a lot of stuff. Uh, the Mackay Foundation. Great. Well, uh, Ian, I can tell you definitively that Abe's Wallet listeners love having you as our man on the scene, giving us uh, insider information about the car industry. Uh, they have loved your Volkswagen Atlas, Reco. The number one thing I'm hearing from people, however, is we're all about families and leading great families. Why aren't you talking about minivans? Why isn't Abe's Wallet asking Ian very pointed, specific questions on the subject of minivans? So we're going to solve that problem today. Is that outside of your experience or do you or do you operate in the world of minivans? No, no, I've got some experience in minivans. Um, un- unfortunately, I've got a little more recent experience, I would say. My, my wife and I have always been an SUV family and we finally just made the switch. Uh, a couple months back to a minivan. Um, and so I've got some hands-on experience now. Nice. Well, uh, d- well, let's talk about that. What were the felt needs that led to minivandom? Yeah, so we've got four boys, um, 11, 10, 4, and 2. And so the challenge is you got two car seats in the car, but you got two older kids with backpacks that need to be able to get through the car. Yes. And so... Uh, we went through a couple iterations with different captain's chairs, that kind of yes. thing. So we went, uh, cause the main hurdle was, uh, school pickup and drop off. Right. That was the main challenge was getting everybody into the car, giving everybody out of the car of while course. you're in the stressful pickup line trying to go as fast <laughs> as you can. Right. <laughs> it's like pulling in, it's like pulling in in a NASCAR race into the pit and everybody's got to get all the wheels off the car and back on the car in 45 seconds. Yes. Yeah. Very accurate. So, um, yeah, we went through a couple iterations. First, we started with a, we did an Audi Q7, too small. Then we went to a Toyota Sequoia. Great size, worked really well. It was a little high up off the ground for the little kids to get in and out by themselves. Yeah. Um, But I just hated the way that it drove. Then we went to a Tahoe and I would say that was probably our winner for a long time. Um, so we had a Tahoe that had captain's chairs. It was low enough. The kids could get in and out, had enough space to get in and out. Um, and I didn't mind driving it. It was comfortable. It was nice. Um, the Tahoe unfortunately had an incident where we got some bugs inside in Hawaii. Sometimes you get some cockroaches and with kids <laughs> eating snacks in the car. So it had a, it had a mild bug infestation and, right. um, it was, We'll just, it was into the hundreds. We'll put it that way. And so <laughs> okay. uh, it, it took a little time to get those out. And so in the meantime, um, we swapped cars because uh, they're just demos. And so we swapped it out for a minivan because I had a duplicate. And so whenever I look for demos, a lot of time it's like, what's, what are we not going to miss? And so we had two minivans that were identical. So I said, I'll take one of these, put my wife in it um, just for a week. That's all we need it for yeah. is just a week. Well, after a week, my wife decided like, this is actually a lot easier. This oh. is way simpler. It's got the automatic doors. Like, yep. this this might be the ticket. Uh, kind of same thing. I didn't like drive. It was kind of like the Sequoia. It worked great, but just felt like a tin can. So I didn't really love it. <clears throat> so I ended up ordering her a uh, Pacifica. Hey, what, what was that? What was that that you didn't like driving, but she like she thought it was convenient? 
the Sienna, Toyota Sienna. Sienna. Yep. Yeah. So minivans from a practicality standpoint, I would say they're all very similar in terms of function. Um, the big thing, and I've had friends actually trade one in for another, uh, is the power doors. The power doors is a game changer. So I had mm-hmm. a friend that had one with no power doors and he traded it in for one with power doors just because mm-hmm. it's like, man, this is such a pain in the neck to have to get out, close the door for the kids, that kind of yeah. thing. Um, so I ordered a Chrysler Pacifica for her and <clears throat> being on the island, we get a lot of, um, rental cars. <clears throat> so you see a lot of tourists, that kind of thing. And so a lot of them are in minivans, Jeep Wranglers. Yeah. So you don't want to look like a tourist when you're driving around. So I thought, okay, they make a Pacifica with black wheels. I'll get <laughs> one with black wheels on it. Well, lo and behold, the only one that I could find with black wheels was a hybrid. So I do a little research because we don't have a plug-in at home. And turns out you don't even have to have the plug-in. Um, you can drive it just as a pure gas car, even though oh, it is a hybrid. And so I was like, all right, we'll just do that. And the, the brakes like recharge it. And so if you're coming down the hill or whatever, it'll get a okay. little bit of juice. And then you've got a little bit of zip uh, for the next few miles. So anyways, I got one of those. And man, one of my guys picked it up from the port. And he was like, this thing's kind of quick. And I was like, really? And so I brought it home to her, drove it. was like, now, obviously, any car that you drive by yourself with no kids in the back feels way nicer than when you load it up with four or five kids in the back. True. And it feels like they're on top of you and you're True. on the steering wheel. So I drove it home, you know, uh, with a little bit of hesitancy around that. But I went, gosh, this is kind of smooth. It is kind of nice. Um, and yeah, that's what we've had ever since. Uh, we're going on a few months now, but uh, we're, we're big fans of it. We don't see getting rid of it anytime soon. And so, unfortunately, I think we've made the switch over to uh, minivan life. What, what year, just out of curiosity, what year did they start uh, making hybrids? Oh, the hybrids go back quite a bit. I want to say, um, I want to say maybe four or five years. Okay. So yeah, you, you can go back quite a bit to get one. Again, it's kind of back to what we talked about before though, of like um, being careful with the older technology that can have a higher uh, repair risk. Right. So if yes. you buy a five-year-old hybrid and now you got to replace the batteries and it's a $8,000 fix, it's like, oh man, we kind of defeated the whole purpose of saving money yes. on an older car. So I think that, I think many of the people who are looking for minivans, they are, they're like you, they're somewhere within the like three to six kids arena. Mm-hmm. They, um, they've got to have a place to store stuff because probably one of those one or more of those six kids ha- requires a stroller. If they don't require require a stroller, they require backpacks. Mm-hmm. So they, they've got to have extra space um, besides all the seating. And um, my guess is that if it makes sense to not buy new, they don't want to buy new. They want to spend as little as they can for something that is reliable. Mm-hmm. What, what other things do you think people should be looking for when they're shopping? Here's the the tough part with minivans, I would say, is <clears throat> it's not a car that people typically cycle a lot, meaning, um, you know, you can kind of go through like your average life cycle of like, you know, say you're a young 20 something year old and we'll just say you get a, a Honda Civic. 
and then you decide you you know you get a good job pays a little bit more this is just traditional this is probably not your listeners gotcha. you get a good job that pays a little bit more and you're like oh i'm gonna upgrade the car because i'm making a little yeah. bit more money your listeners obviously are much wiser than that that's right but uh so then they go from the honda civic to oh i don't know let's say they get a uh they could go crazy and say they lease a bmw 3 series Whoa. or something right yeah, they, they skipped a step somewhere in there, but yeah, okay. <laughs> then uh, let's say they get married and they decide to get a nice little SUV or something because they decide they're going to go hiking in the mountains or yeah. whatever. Uh, then they have kids, so then they decide we need a little bit bigger of an SUV, right? So they're going to cycle through those cars every three to five years as they're kind of going yes. through those stages of life. With the minivan, people who need to buy one because they're in that three to six kid range – they're in that three to six kid range for the next 10 years until yeah. one of those kids graduates and leaves, you know? Yeah. Um, and so a lot of times with minivans, it's like you're usually kind of stuck with the option of getting one brand new <clears throat> or getting one with a hundred thousand miles on it. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately with minivans, a lot of the time I would say they're a little underpowered because when you look at them in terms of what they weigh relative to what they weigh loaded up with eight people in it, those are two very different numbers. Uh -huh. And so it can put a little extra strain on the transmission. So I would say that's one of the common things you'll see with minivans is transmission issues. Huh. Uh, and that's typically just because of a weight thing. The engine's a little underpowered for having a loaded up minivan versus, you know, if it's not loaded up, yeah, it probably does just fine. But people aren't getting rid of them when they're in great shape, right? Like you said, kids are throwing backpacks and uh, soccer gear and baseball bats into the back right. of it. So they're chipping up the back bumper. Yes. Um, they're slamming doors. They're spilling goldfish and Cheerios inside. Yeah. Right? Like they're usually not pristine. Right. Um, and so you either find them in kind of rough shape, either real old with a lot of miles, or you're kind of like, eh, we get a brand new one. Or the third option that's not as frequent is you get the ones that are previous rentals, right? Uh -huh. So the rental car company has it two years later, they cycle it out and those are pretty easy to spot. They're usually two to three years old and they usually have somewhere between 30 and 50,000 miles. Um, now those are those ones where you want to look and see if you can get one under 36,000 miles. That means it's still under warranty. So regardless of what happened to it, everything should be in perfect working order. The only downside with those rental ones is those ones usually are um, a little bit more rough even because rough in a different way, though. You typically don't have the Cheerios and all that spilt inside. You've got the back bumpers chipped, the front bumpers scraped. It's been up on a curb, that kind of thing, um, just because it's a vacation car, right? People are using right. it when they're on a trip, loading it up with bags, that kind of thing. And so that doesn't leave a lot of options for people to find a minivan. Um, so that being said... If you can find one that's in good shape, a couple years old, um, it's definitely something to consider and compare to new. It's a great example where it goes, where you go, man, how much more does it cost me to get a new one? And what other benefits are there um, with getting a new one? In terms of all the bells and whistles, there's a huge range. I mean, you can get minivans that are in the mid to high 20s. And you can get minivans that are 60, 65,000. So... For me, I think the power doors is a great must if you're going to go the minivan route, but uh, I'm not completely sold on 
the built-in vacuum in the back of the trunk uh, and some of those kind of things. Uh-huh. So I think uh, when it comes to having the kids and all in there, you probably don't want the cloth interior because you don't want to be trying to scrub milk out yes. of cloth. A lot easier yes. to just grab a baby wipe and get that gone. Yes. Um, but yeah, minivans can be a tough market. I'm sure that's why people have reached out about it. Um, at the end of the day, I think it definitely is one of those ones where I probably lean a little bit more towards the new side. Uh-huh. Or you just got to totally embrace the fact this thing's going to get beat up. And so whether you beat it up or someone else has already beat it up, in three weeks, it's going to be in the same condition. So uh-huh. uh, just kind of embrace the fact that it's a little rough. And at that point, I would say, yeah, trying to find one maybe under warranty still <coughs> so that you've got some uh, peace of mind <coughs> around the powertrain, that kind of thing. Just before we leave this whole category, is are there a couple of models that you go, that that thing is just a workhorse. It'll It'll be around. It'll have a ton of miles if you just take care of it. One thing that could be a good indicator sometimes is if you notice taxis, what do taxi drivers drive? They are in the business of keeping their car on the road, right? They can't afford for it to break down. They know they're going to drive the wheels off it. And so it's got to be able to put 200,000 miles on it. No problem. Yeah. I think you see a fair amount of Toyota Siennas out there with that. Um, So, you know, I don't have hands-on experience per se in terms of reliability on the minivan side, but I would guess uh, that the Sienna is probably a safe bet. The only thing I don't love there is I feel like the value to, to price doesn't quite match up. Uh, uh-huh. I think you can get a Pacifica for the same money that you can get a Sienna for. And I think the Pacifica <laughs> is the nicest driving minivan. Okay. You uh, sent us to the, the wild world of the, uh, of the upcoming VW, what's the name of their fan? They got electric coming out. The ID Buzz. Yeah, yeah. Which looks so fun and cool. That would be so fun to, to drive that thing. Um, are there are there any uh, are there any electric vans that exist? Are hybrids are hybrids the only thing out there? Yeah, so I did a little research before our call, and the Chrysler Pacifica Hybrid, from everything that I've read, is the only minivan that qualifies uh, for the $7,500 tax credit, uh-huh. which is only on new. So that okay. kind of ch- can change the equation sometimes when you look at it and you go, okay, what does this actually cost me You know, in right. post-tax dollars? Right. Um, so when you compare something new, if you compare the new hybrid to something pre-owned and you're getting that $7,500 tax credit, um, that can make a big difference. But as far as I know, that's the only one that qualifies. And and this is this is more of a larger question about the, the market in general. Um, is there a huge difference right now between a, a new... Uh, let's say a new hybrid Pacifica where you get the tax credit and a two-year-old Pacifica, would there be a large difference in that price? Yeah. um, Just because, I mean, the main reason is because that $7,500 tax credit that enough people are trying to compare apples to apples. Yeah. So they're going, well, gosh, if this thing isn't at least $10,000 less, why wouldn't I just go for the brand new one? Uh Uh-huh. So, um, just from the little bit of searching I did, uh, I found some two to three year old 
um, 30 to 50,000 mile hybrids that were in the $30,000 range. And a brand new one, depending on how you get it equipped, is going to be, I would say, probably somewhere in the $50,000 range. Okay. So quite a big gap uh, to yeah. go pre-owned, but you lose out on that tax credit pre-owned. Um, right. But you can also go non-hybrid if you're going pre-owned. Right? If you're going pre-owned and you're not going to get the tax credit, then I don't know that the hybrid's necessarily worth it. That's where you kind of got to do the math. You go, okay, how many miles per gallon do I get in this versus in this? Yeah. <clears throat> what does gas cost? How much do I drive? How much am I really saving per month? When you put the pencil to it, a lot of times people are saving $30, $20 in gas. Yeah. Um, but they're paying an extra $8,000 to get the hybrid as opposed to just the regular gas one. Yeah. Um, Chrysler always ma- also makes a, uh, it's kind of a, I guess you would call it <clears throat> like a lower tier of the Pacifica called the Voyager. Okay. I, I would recommend that probably to someone that's looking for, um, looking for a minivan that's a little bit more budget friendly. Um, what do you lose between quality. those two? I think it's just some options. I think it's just like some, some of like the, I don't think you can get a Voyager with like the 360 camera or parking okay. sensors. So I think it's a little bit more of the tech. Um, okay. I think their um, vision is that eventually that replaces the grand caravan. The grand caravan hasn't had a redesign. Um, I would say that's probably one of the least expensive minivans on the market. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think the Voyager would probably be the kind of one of those sweet spot ones if you're looking for something pre-owned. Okay. Any Anything else? Just, just general tips. If your sister was about to go buy minivans, you'd say, now just remember this and this. Any other, anything that else that you'd suggest to people? I wish my sister would call me when she needs to go get a minivan. <laughs> but she's so, she's so headstrong. She's so confident in herself and she won't defer to you, which she nope. should. No, nope. no. Nope. She drives a Honda Odyssey <laughs> and, uh, with the vacuum built in. Yeah, probably, probably. It's probably what got her. <laughs> oh boy, um, sisters. No, I don't think so. I think, um, yeah, I think it really comes down to budget. I think it's a tough market to sift through. I think you're not going to have a lot of options. Um, but at the end of the day, I think you also got to embrace. It's a little bit different of a purchase. You know, you're not buying a car. You're going to have a ton of pride in. You're buying a car that's a people mover that's going to get beat up. And yeah. so if it's already a little beat up, great. Somebody else beat yeah. it to the punch. Like, sure. Be okay sure. with it. Um, it's. I think it's really wise what you said to think, it's going to be beat up in six months either way by yeah. you or by the people before you. And if you could save a whole bunch of money by buying one with some dings and scratches on it, what do you mm-hmm. care in the long run? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you find that one, uh, you know, if you, you get a referral and somebody from church is selling one, you buy that one and you pay 200, 250 bucks to have a real professional detailer go through it. Yeah. Um, that could be a great option because now, you know, you just, you get to start off kind of on the right foot. Yeah. Um, go from there. Um, this might be, uh, this is more like a personal opinion than a, and then an industry question, but we've had a couple of families say, ask Ian what you do when you, when you pass the, okay, you, you got a minivan that seats eight. Okay. What do you do? when you have seven kids 
and now you are just one past what a typical minivan will do. And it would break your heart to go to the Econo line for four bench seats van where it looks like you're taking the softball team and like, Oh, I don't want to do that. Do you, what do you, do you have any thoughts on somebody that needs something a little bit bigger? Do they have to go to the gigantic, um, the Mercedes sprinter? What, what do they do? At the end of the day, if you don't have enough seatbelts, you don't have enough seatbelts. So, um, one of the best options I've seen, we have some good friends. They have eight kids. Yeah. And so they fall into that Mercedes Sprinter van world. He was looking to replace it. And one of the options I found for him was a, uh, it's a Nissan. I, I don't in, know. It's per- an NV 3500. Yeah. That, or there's a, uh, the Ram Pro Masters. Okay. I would say kind of fall into that same category. Um, two very different styles. The Pro Masters are like real sloped in the front, almost like a school bus. And the NVs are very blocky up front kind of like an old school bus. Um, yeah. But yeah, I would say those two probably fall into the category where you can get a, a 12 passenger. The one secret there is like color, right? If you get the bright white one, um, it's going to look like you're taking the softball team to the game. <laughs> but if you can find one that's like gray or black, yeah. it'll blend in a little bit more. Uh, yes. It won't be as noticeable. Uh, Michael represents a segue because I'll tell you his story and then get your reactions. He had to have a vehicle for his business. And luckily um, his business is such that he would need a great big truck. So it was easy for him to find uh, a huge truck whereby he could meet the tax requirements of a 6,000 pound vehicle that he could uh, write off for his business. Um, What he did was he bought like a, a diesel F three fifty, if if those exist, something like that. And he bought he bought one that was just mangled, and he bought a he put a new bed on it, uh, and then put a camper on it, painted the whole thing. It looked like a brand new vehicle. He drove it for a while, and then he sold it for a profit. And then with that profit, he thought, okay, now I'm about to I'm about to go for it. So he's going to buy, I think, another two, uh, a 250 extended cab, and he's going to get something nice that he could uh, take some of his family. He can't fit the whole family in there, but uh, he could take trips to the grocery store. Um, what he found was, Ian, that buying a brand new truck was the same price as buying uh, a three-year-old used one. So he bought the new one. He's got all the warranty and he's clicking his heels like I am with my, uh, with my Volkswagen. So uh, what do you make of that story? Oh, it's awesome. I mean, this is where it's so fun to kind of cross over um, kind of car worlds and financial world to go, man, there are some, some hacks or some sweet spots here yes. and that are not difficult to take advantage of. Um. So, yeah, I mean, it sounds like that's the game he was playing. It's a uh, challenge sometimes for people where there is some some pride or ego involved in what you drive. And it's yeah. not purely just a numbers game. Yeah. Right. When it when the vehicle represents you a little bit more, than <laughs> yeah. it did, maybe. Um, but, yeah, if you're just purely playing the numbers game, then, yeah, there's some real sweet spots in there. 
So, and this is where new can be a huge difference maker because, and now this stuff changes all the time. Like you guys are probably more savvy to this than I am, but a lot of these rules and regulations change as far as how much you can depreciate in year one versus over the course of three years, that kind of thing. Um, But I know that there are some sweet spots when it comes to brand new um, vehicle weight, right? Over 6,000 pounds. Um, And what's interesting with that one is that it's not curb weight, it's gross vehicle weight. And so gross vehicle weight includes a full tank of gas. Uh, It includes the driver, the passengers, and any typical cargo. Yeah. So you can go right on the website. You could add a trailer hitch on it if it'd get you past that weight. Yeah. So you can go right on the website and see those ratings. Um, and there's, there's quite a few vehicles on there that actually surprised me that they, that they met the criteria. Um, but I, and I believe the only other real, uh, regulation on that is that you have to be using the car for at least 50% business purposes. Um, but that's also where like, depending on your type of work, um, there's some real easy ways to make, that trip to go get gas and go sure. to the grocery store, a business trip because you're going to get gas. That sure. Kind of thing. So um, yeah, there's some real hacks in there. Weight being a huge one. The other one, and I'm not as up to date on this, but leasing versus purchasing um, from what I remember. And I don't know if it's still true. Instead of having to write off the depreciation over the course of two or three years, if you lease the vehicle, you can either write off the entirety year one, or you can write off the entirety of the lease payments. Um, so some people will do like a one year lease, uh-huh. and write off the entirety of the lease payment. Oh, interesting. And so as opposed to having to do a percentage or based on miles, that kind of thing. Right. Uh, so oh, yeah, so that's where if you don't drive a ton, and, it's, and again, it's a balance because if you're driving a lot for work, probably doesn't make sense to lease. So you definitely got to find what fits your situation, but I would explore uh, leasing, definitely brand new. And then the other big one there is the tax credits, right? If you're getting something electric, something hybrid, um, I know that's a real popular thing right now with the uh, Ford Lightning, the F-150 that's electric. Yeah. You got a lot of these guys um, in the construction industry, need a truck, hauling things, putting their tools in it, whatever, but they're getting huge tax credit um, and they're still able to function and do everything that they need to. And some cool perks of, you know, there's some that have built in generators and things like that. I know that that's the coolest thing that they advertise is a generator. It's awesome. All right. We're interrupting this conversation with Ian. We're bringing in a specialist here. I I got a middle reliever. Mark, I just want you to talk to people through some of the details around owning a vehicle for your business. Why would somebody want to purchase a vehicle under the name of your business? Well, the number one reason is because depending on your business, vehicle might be one of the primary expenses that you have, operating expenses. So some businesses, you know, have a bunch of trucks that they use to drive around. Um, And if you can run an expense through your business, then that changes what your net profit's going to be for the business, which means you don't have to pay taxes on money that uh, you're using to fund business operations through expenses like a vehicle. Ah, there it is. So if you could have a vehicle 
that is ostensibly the business's vehicle and it's run for business purposes, you could also maybe go to the lake for the weekend in your giant vehicle that you use for business. How much, what's the percentage of personal use versus business use that the governments will give us a thumbs up on? Yeah, so there's there's two ways to um, reimburse yourself for vehicles. So let's let's put aside the case of heavy construction and and imagining that we have trucks that are exclusively business use. Let's say that you're just I don't know maybe a financial planner and you drive around to do some stuff. Um, well, you have two options. One is to take actual expenses for your vehicle. And that means that you will take the costs associated with operation of the vehicle as well as depreciation of the vehicle because every mile you drive, your vehicle becomes worth just a little bit less. Um, That's option one. Uh, There is a way to actually accelerate some of those expenses that we'll talk about right at the end. But um, option two is you don't take actual expense of the vehicle and you just take mileage. So in 2023, the government says you're allowed to reimburse yourself 65 and a half cents per mile for vehicle use for business purposes. Wow. Um, So for most people that I talk to that aren't uh, in in a role where they need a very specific expensive vehicle, it's often the right choice to say, if I'm going to drive I don't know, a few thousand miles a year for business, I'm just going to take the mileage rate and I'm going to come out on top. Um, but some people will choose to to instead go with the actual, um, actual expenses associated with the car plus uh, depreciation. Um, so autos and, how, and how trucks. How do you know which of those is best for you? You got to put pen to paper? That's right. You got to do the math. Um, I know just to give a specific example, you and I have driven, uh, to meet clients in between our house. And, um, you told me, well, should I use the company credit card for gas? And I said, no, you should not. Because when I did the math, uh, it was better for you and for the business to reimburse you the mileage rate instead of paying for the gas, which would be an actual expense part of, uh, that, that, calculation. Um, But if you do go actual expenses, it means you would pay for all those operating expenses of the car and a five-year depreciation schedule. Uh, What that means is that you take the value of the car and the IRS will let you say that one-fifth of it goes away every year. Um, So if you buy a used car for $20,000, you can take a fifth of that every year as an expense. That's a depreciation expense. Um, so your business has an asset. It's a $20,000 car. And every year, a fifth of that goes off of the balance sheet as an asset and you have an expense. That means you don't have to pay taxes on some of that money because you're depreciating down the cost of the vehicle. Okay. Ian mentioned something that is kind of technical. I don't mean this to be stump the band, but let's see if you feel this one right. He says that if you are leasing a vehicle for business, that there is a unique way to handle that. He says that you might could take all of what you'll spend on the lease for the entire life of the lease 
and you could get a tax benefit for that in the first year, something like that? I don't know about this. Yeah, we can talk about leasing vehicles, but in order to understand what I'm going to say there, we really have to understand something else first, which is a, a strategy we've recommended to clients. We might have even talked about it here on the Abraham's Wallet podcast, and that's called a Section 179 expense. Oh, um, yes. Right. And Section 179 says instead on a, of depreciating an asset over time for certain assets you can take 100% of the cost and take it up front as bonus depreciation now some assets you can take up to 2 million dollars of depreciation on so if we needed to buy i don't know what we would spend 2 million dollars on but a, a really nice pneumatic dump truck one of those hydrofoil truck. one of those hydrofoil boats how about with those guys cigarette boat oh or a hovercraft maybe I love I love a hovercraft. Okay. If we decided Outpost Advisors requires a hovercraft, we've got new clients. They're located in the Everglades and they're yes. only accessible by either hovercraft or airboat. We're not buying an airboat. This isn't a cut rate operation. Yeah, come um, on. We want to go all the way. So I don't know what the depreciation schedule is on hovercraft, but there's a good chance we'd be able to recognize that entire expense up front instead of depreciating it on whatever the hovercraft schedule is. With cars and trucks, then, they aren't quite as generous. They will let you take up to $25,000 of the expense in the year of purchase. Um, so the rule there is a couple things. One, the vehicle has to be new to you. It doesn't have to be new but it has to be new to you. So you can buy a used car. Um, two, strangely, it has to be at least 6,500 pounds. Um, so you can't go buy a Toyota Corolla and take the Section 179 expense. But if it's new to you and it's at least that gross vehicle weight and you use it at least um, 90% for business, let's say, then you can take 90% of the value of that car up to $25,000 in the first year. That's called a Section 179 expense. So you'll see people all the time that are thinking, and there's no no requirements on what kind of business you have to run. You'll see people who are lawyers and they're going out and buying a pickup truck before year end because they just want to write off $25,000. There is a rule that changed with the Tax Cuts and Job Act. Um, Previously, you couldn't take any depreciation on a lease because you weren't realizing any depreciation. During the lease period, you had no depreciable interest. You were basically renting the car. Um, right. But now the law says instead, um, you can purchase a vehicle that you were leasing um, and take bonus depreciation all up front when you first lease it. So I'm going to give you an example because this is kind of hard to understand. Let's say that you pay $32,000 for a pickup truck that you had been leasing for business purposes. The pickup truck obviously has a gross weight that's over the limit, and you've been keeping a, a mileage log that shows that you've been using it for business. You can use bonus depreciation now, not only for $25,000, but for up to the full price of that vehicle when you purchase it. Um, and that, that law has now changed. So you can accelerate that depreciation on the vehicle and even take it up front. So leasing is a little bit more attractive now for some business owners. A uh, couple things just to keep in mind if you're thinking about buying a vehicle for your business. Number one, 
the business has to buy the vehicle. So you can't buy it and say, well, I own a business, so I bought a car. It, it right. needs to be bought by the business. Right. And um, when that happens, often you are going to find that your insurance company goes, well, this is a business vehicle and it needs a business insurance policy. And that is a lot more money. Um, yeah. Not always, but sometimes that's the case. And sometimes that negates the entire value of the depreciation. So uh, just make sure you check with an accountant or financial advisor before you uh, make this move, just thinking, hey, it's free money, because it's really not free money. All you're doing is instead of depreciating the vehicle over five years, you're bumping that all up to one year. Um, for some businesses, if you had a huge year and you, you really need to offset taxes, that can be a great move. For other businesses, it can be a bad move. You would actually rather pay taxes uh, this year and maybe defer them in the future when you're going to be earning more money. Right. So it's right. it's not a no-brainer decision to do this, um, but you should, uh, whenever you're using a vehicle for business, you should be keeping track of that use and then either deducting actual expenses or taking the mileage deduction. Right. So... And another thing to remember is if your business owns the vehicle, that means that the business uh, buys gas for it. The business pays for maintenance. So if you have a business where you, let's say you're the owner of the business, but you pay yourself a salary and you want, you want to make your benefits as sweet as possible, your car can basically be a benefit that the company gives to you. So that the company's paying the bills and you're not personally paying the bills. Yeah, it's, it's, a great, it's a great thing to do if you can make it work. All right. Thank you, Mark. We'll go back to Ian now. Thank you for your uh, pinch hitting in the middle innings. And you can go back to the bullpen and put that arm of yours in ice. I will, I will return you to a better looking and more charismatic blonde, uh, our friend Ian in Hawaii. So I have a friend right now that's looking for a truck and you know, probably a little too eager to take advantage of some of those um, tax benefits. And so he's looking at every truck going, well, it costs this, but it really costs only cost. Me this. <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, it costs this, but it really only costs me this. Yes, of course. <laughs> okay. Now here's a, here's a stumper for you. Does it exist? Is there such a vehicle in the world where it weighs enough to, that you could depreciate it and get tax write off for it? And it's a minivan, so you could use it for your family. The Chrysler Pacifica Hybrid, you can fit seven, eight people in, and you still get the $7,500 tax credit. Oh, wow. It qualifies by, I looked this up before our call, 55 pounds. Did you know that it was heavy enough before you got it? No. And are you are you going to look into writing it off for your business? Yeah, it's... um. It's one of those ones where you go, gosh, maybe we should, maybe we need to swap and get a brand new one because uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. We get the tax credit and get we the tax credit. Wow. Live on the island, we don't drive a ton, and so I'm actually curious to explore it because uh, leasing could be a good option for us. Minivans typically don't lease very well um, because people are keeping them for longer than that, and they're usually pretty beat up at the end of it. But uh, yeah, if we could write off the entirety of the payment, get a $7,500 tax credit. Wow. Uh, th that could be, could be a real difference maker. 
I'll be darn. I, I've that that Pacifica has never really entered my entered my monitor, but that's something to watch out for. That sounds that sounds great. Yeah, some of the other ones that surprised me were um, Jeep Wrangler, um, and Jeep Gladiator. At the end of the day, you know, you got to make sure that you're checking with your advisor, CPA, yes. you know, working together on that. Just because there can be instances where sometimes people will put, uh, they'll buy something cash or just with interest rates right now, probably might lean a little bit more that way to buying something cash versus financing it. There are a couple manufacturers that are starting to squeak out some, you know, 2.9, 3.9% rates. Um and when you look at the comparison, you know, if you can go and get a CD for five, five and a half percent and you can get a loan for 2.9, like that's some good arbitrage right there. Yes. Um, but on the flip side, pre-owned rates, there's no incentive, right? So the reason new car rates are lower is because the manufacturer, the big, the big, uh, we always say, you know, pick your brand Volkswagen, the big yeah. Volkswagen in the sky is suppressing the rates that they offer on their vehicles to try to sell more of their vehicles, right? So they're just pulling at that lever to try to get people that are sensitive to interest rate to say yes to their model over maybe a different model that doesn't have that kind of interest rate program. Um, But when it comes to pre-owned cars, the rates are the market. It is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. The local bank isn't going to give you any kind of special rate on this car. It's just collateral. So uh-huh. when we look at used rates right now, the, the easy gauge is if you look at mortgage rates and you add a percent or two, that's typically yeah. your range is kind of whatever mortgage rates are at plus one or two. That's typically the range that you'll see on something either new or within three to four years old. Um, so being that they're, well, I think eight, eight and a half percent right now, um, not a great, uh, not a great spot to be when you're going man, someone with good credit who has paid their bills and never missed right. a payment, best case scenario qualifies for a 9% loan. Yeah, but, it's rough. Oof. But at the end of the day, I kind of look at it too of, you know, not being too overly sensitive to it, but also recognizing, you know, if you can get a uh, an interest rate in your savings account, that's 4%. There's a lot of online banks right now that have, uh, or maybe some local ones too, that have, savings accounts. So not CDs or anything like that, but just savings accounts yeah. that have, you know, four to five percent interest rates. Well, if we awesome. rewind four or five years ago, those didn't exist, right? They were one true. true. So if we subtract the difference and we go, okay, it's four that went up four percent. Okay, then what are the debt interest rates? Oh, they also went up four percent. Yes. So we're still kind of dealing in the same money. The uh-huh. issue is that if people aren't participating in the interest rates that are making <laughs> yes. them money. They're That's only right. getting the downside. That's of right. Increase. That's right. Which is why we recommend anybody who's sitting on a pile of cash, which we don't recommend. We, we think money, your money should be working for you. But if for any reason, I mean, I always use my wife's business as an example. She, she runs an event planning business. She always has to pay vendors up front. She, she's not going to get that money back for 90 days after the event happens. So she does have to have a mountain of cash. If you if you ever have to sit on a mountain of cash, we think it ought to be in an interest-bearing savings account. That seems really obvious. Instead of getting not paid for having a mountain of cash, get paid for having a mountain of cash. And Ian is saying, if you just get paid for your cash that's sitting on hand, then when you do have to borrow money, 
it, it really softens the fall um, to go, yeah, well, I know that I'm making money on the same interest rate that is costing me money to, to borrow. So it softens the whole the, the fall. Ian, thank you again for being a fount of knowledge and talking to us about minivans and uh, buying cars for work, your business, I should say, the business that you own, and telling us about the magical Chrysler Pacifica Hybrid. Hey, if you liked this content, be sure to like it and subscribe and share it with somebody. And remember, no matter how you're doing and leading your family, God's love for you is huge and his grace is huge.